You are acting like Johnny Depp. Do it from exponential potential to not being able to pay for the rental or even a bill from the dent on the house. That for your mental. I've been through hard times too. This situation demands I bring the hard rhymes through. That's why I'm all times too. Half past despicable. Last man to bring it through. Fast rap to critical stack. Analytical slap slap. I'm hitting you smack smack. I'm sticking you smack lip to stack tips. All with the lyrical technique. In a bare but sleek interview room with a single long table, the stranger addresses the married couple. He places an item on the table in an ovaloid pool of light. The party crashes, liquor spilling mayhem. Fuck cops to play them. Super bitches to slay them. Saw serious biz, no time remains for the cattle defecation. You spitting right in this brand. What the fuck? black box with a single red button. You know, it's it's the kind that looks like it would stand up to a good palm mashing. Stranger says, My proposition is this. You are now in the world's largest mall. Almost anything you can think of, or whatever one, is in stock. At the best prices. And it will appear on your doorstep within two days. Think of it and press the button and it's yours. Now, the couple who he's talking to, which is a young, well-to-do, creative industry couple, the husband starts to reach out for the box and the stranger's like, but there's a condition. And the husband's hand just falters a bit. Every time you press the button, a working person with no health insurance wets their pants and gets repetitive motion injury. The husband thinks for a second, then, wham, I want an LED octopus-shaped toothbrush, the wife, wham, what the fuck, I love dolphin peppermint face rub, wham, the husband's like, oh, Ricky and Paul said they love these books, wham, I'm too tired to shop for school supplies today, wham, 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 wham. Welcome to Breakup Gaming Society. Uh, it's a place of great mirth and levity. <laughs> I, I'm your host and guide, the great unclean one. We're going to talk about board games, booze, and hip-hop on this show today. And you're also going to hear, at least in the drink of the week and game of the week, the emergence of a new character. His name is Augustus Crimes. He was uh, one of my best friends from 1983, who I got disconnected with for three years, but with whom I have now made a rapprochement. He figures largely in a couple of these segments. So when I say Augustus Crimes, you'll know who I'm talking about, right? Um, So in specific, drink of the week, we're going to talk about Don Julio 65. Second, game of the week is going to be Cockroach Poker. And we're also going to talk about the Christmas miracle and why the social overlay is the most important thing for board gaming. And then lastly, I haven't picked it out yet, but we are going to go back to one of the best underground flotillas of super earnest MCs and producers ever to have lived. We're talking about DITC, the Diggin' in the Crates crew. In particular, Lord Finesse. Now, I've been on a kick where I don't want to listen to anything but Lord Finesse for the last two weeks. 
and in my head there's this weird admixture of his best punchlines from 30 songs, but I'm going to have to pick one. And then at, at the very end, I've, I've been feeling undernourished in terms of having read or having shared poetry. So I'm going to go on to poetryfoundation.org, pick a poem, and try to read it cold. That's what's going to happen. And just a couple, there's going to be some loud noises, and then we're going to do a drink of the week. Does that work for you? As promised, the great unclean with the great unclean with the great unclean one is back with you for drink of the week. I misidentified it in the intro. It's not Don Julio sixty five. It's Don Julio seventy, which is billed as a crystal claro añejo which is counterintuitive to me because I always think of a, a good añejo as having an amber or caramel color. But here I am in Costco with, I don't know, anywhere from twelve to $1,500 in my checking account. It's three days before Christmas or two days. I don't, I can't remember. I've just quit a job that made me miserable. And I figure I deserve a treat. So I... I I I bought a fifth of it. And then I reconnected with Augustus Crimes. The the most important thing to know about this segment is A, um I hadn't we'd been friends for thirty three years, but I hadn't seen him in three. B, we're both alcoholics, and I think over the course of two sittings in our hotel, which I'm gonna tell you more about, I think the casualties included um my fifth of Don Julio 70, a 700 mil of Jack Daniels bonded, most of a fifth of uh, Manapaloa vodka, vodka. Um, that didn't count the six drinks we had out at another hotel that had an unlikely bar open on Christmas. And, and I'm pretty sure Crimes knocked down a bottle of wine on top of all that. That was across two sits if that gives you a picture. But having got another late and unlikely wave of checks from my contractor work, I was up in Colorado Springs and I bought it again. I am holding Don Julio 70 Crystal Crystal Claro Añejo. And um, honestly, the first time we drank a bottle of this, there's not a lot I remember. Uh, I was generously pouring. Every time I saw Crimes was below a finger, I would just top him off. He was drink, drinking out of a plastic cup in the King Suite that I'd had for, I don't know, like, it was ridiculous. $66 a night in a deserted hotel with just my buddy. It was glorious, playing loud music. And uh, and here's what I remember. I'm going to drink it again, but what I remember is it had this really neat vanilla taste and an incredibly light body, but also a nice sting from the tip to the back of the tongue. I remember when I first poured it out, he's like, hey, do we need you know salt and lime? I'm like, that's for people who will not invest in a good bottle of tequila. Jose Cuervo is not tequila. I'm sorry, it's not. I think I had a buddy say, uh, heard that they bring it up in tankers, low grade, mix it with shitty rum, and then they put it in the bottle. It's not tequila. If, you're, if you have a good tequila in hand, you don't need the salt or the lime ever. 
And anyway, um, I swore I was going to save the bottle. I told him, I'm going to save this. This was expensive. I'm going to get back, you know, to Trinidad Stark slash Starkville with this. But after our second night together, I woke up, and that bottle had a couple drams left in it. And, um, you know, he felt bad and said, he goes, I know you wanted to save it. I'm like, you know what? What was I saving it for? I saw you for the first time in three years, and it was spotty in memory, but it was beautiful. And uh, But in either case, I've got another one. The drink is Don Julio 70, Crystal, Claro, and Yeho. And um, the, you can hear the creaking of the packaging there. As I remember it, it's an absolutely wonderful drink, full of a, it's again, a nice balance. When I drink liquor... I don't want the liquor hidden from me. I want to. I want to taste just the liquor in all its dimensions. I remember like tasting a bunch of very soft and a bunch of hard notes side by side. The burn of the alcohol backed with again this flower bed of weird softer colors. So it, it must have been good because we drank the whole thing. Um, anyway, tonight I'm I'm drinking a, a stout and a. Jim Beam Devil's Cut Whiskey. But uh yeah, I that 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 tequila must have made some kind of impression on me because even despite the blackout, because I bought it again, we're gonna drink it again. But um I do feel confident in recommending it. We're gonna be right back with the second part of the Christmas miracle that is my reunion with Augustus Crimes and are unlikely befriending of four Indian families in a hotel that looks from the front like it was closed and on the back is bounded by a most desolate dry lake you've ever seen, but which became home to one of the best board gaming experiences I've ever had, which we're going to hear about momentarily in Game of the Week. Game of the Week was supposed to be Sagrada, which is a beautiful game, pardon me, about using different color and values of dice to build a more high-scoring stained glass window than your friends. Um, In case you didn't listen to the previous segment, I was at a hotel, which was entirely draped in its front in plastic. I guess they had foundational problems, and it looked like it was closed. When I came up, and I was like, I just got snookered. I booked a hotel that doesn't exist. Then I see this little sign that says lobby around back, and I go in, and lo and behold, there's a fully functioning hotel. And uh, I spent the first night there. And then in the morning, the the phone rings. Not my phone, but the the room phone. I'm like, what the hell is this? I pick it up, and I hear Augustus Crine's voice. He goes, yeah, I just checked in. What do you mean you just checked in? He goes, I'm in 127. I'm like, fuck you, you're in 127. But I go down, and it turns out he was in 127. So that night, with him grazing away at a number of takeout packages that he got from his full steak dinner at the nearby uh, Outback Steakhouse, and me already getting several pours in to a 700 milliliter of Jack Daniels bonded, I'm looking across the table at, at him, 
and this is how faded I'm getting because I didn't see them come in on my six. He's like, why? Why am I smelling curry? And I look around, and uh, while I've been teaching crimes how to play Sagrada, uh, four Indian families have come in, four husbands, four wives, and six kids. I'm guessing ages six to eight from at the top range, maybe 10 to 12. Six kids. And here, here's the beautiful moment. It's Christmas Eve or the night before Christmas Eve, and this hotel's empty. And I thought we were, I was just going to just sit there with my old buddy, who I haven't seen too long, and just play Sagrada all night. But while we're finishing our first game, I just feel this presence on my right shoulder, and one of the youngest of the kids has walked up. This, this little kid. He's so short that I can only see his eyes over the line of the table. And they're glowing. He's looking at this game like, what the fuck is this? And it's like, I know that look. It's like, this kid wants to play, doesn't he? I look over, over at him. He's like, what's this? I say, Sagrada. And I start describing the game to him. And before I know, all the kids have assembled and they're listening. And you could tell, it's like, they want to play. And here's, here's the sermon for today. I don't care what the mechanics or the theme or its engineering is. If you don't have a game group that's A, just delighted to play, B, uh, playing with people who don't care about you or care about the game, then you have no good games. I cannot conceive of just showing up to a game cafe or board game store just just to play a game because it's not fun if I don't know any of the people and they're not my friends and there's not riffing and I'm not in a house in which I'm loved, etc., etc. And... I bemoaned for years the late realization of this fact because there was a time where me and my ex-wife had a fee group, six of us. It, and it was always assumed that by every Saturday, six o'clock, we would be at our kitchen table getting ripped and playing games, usually a heavy, crunchy game to start the night, uh, which would take us anywhere from two to four to six hours and then from, you know, 10 to 1, we'd play light games as we were able. But then it turned out that it's, uh, when Jay and Becca moved away, and then Carlos moved away, and then Gavin had a kid, all of a sudden it turned out that those 60 games on our shelf weren't getting any love. And the other friends we had, it just wasn't the same. I remember trying to get other couples over for game night, and... Nine o'clock would hit, and I'd see the wife looking at the husband, elbowing him. <clears throat> it's nine o'clock. Like, it's time to go. It's like, nine o'clock, so we should, should just be getting started. So the, the Christmas miracle is realizing that while you're bemoaning the lack of a game group, sometimes the best game group finds you. And it was this group of kids. And uh, it was one of So... To set the scene, we're in a, a lobby of this Fairfield Marriott something, and you've got uh, four husbands and four wives, and they're not paying much attention to us. But, uh, you know, as more of the kids pile over, I'm like, God, these, these kids are players. They want to play games. I, who would I be to refuse them? And, and, you know, I told them the game that my uh, friend Crimes and I were playing only seats four. However, being the pre 
the calculating drunk that I am, I'd also brought a copy of uh, Cockroach Poker, which is um, basically, well, here's how I described it to the kids. I'm like, do you all like nuisance species? And they all go, like cockroaches and spiders? And they all go, ew. And then I said, do you like lying? And they all go, yeah. And while I'm setting up the game for them, they're all chanting, lying, lying, lying. And I remember there were a bunch of them, but <laughs> the attention monger of the four is this very adorable little June bug of a girl who looks at me and her eyes get big and she says, I'm good at lying. I'm like, well, we're going to find out. Long story short, I end up becoming the world's drunkest camp counselor, guiding these six kids through several rounds of cockroach poker. Now, at some point, the their parents decide we're okay, because I remember at one point, one of the wives, without having said anything to me, just deposits a... a paper plate full of ice cream and cake in front of me. It was one of the boys' ninth birthday. And then later, another one of the wives walks up and deposits a plate full of tandoori chicken in front of crimes. And then I look around again, and uh, the husbands, who have finally been paying attention... Now, this this was difficult for me, because the age range was so wide, I had to memorize which kids had which grasp of the game. Like the, the 9s, 10s, and 11s, and 12s got the rules immediately and became cutthroats. But the kids who were 6, 7, and 8, they didn't quite get the mechanics, and so I'd have to remember how to coach each one through their turn. Yeah, there it is. And we played cockroach poker with these kids, and at one point, one of the moms comes up to me and says, you're very nice, which is funny because... Me and crimes are both fucking faced, but I guess they weren't that worried because, you know, we were line of sight the whole time. She goes, I hope they're not a bother. I'm like, a bother? I'm like, lady, these are some of the coolest people I've ever met in my whole life. In the morning, when crimes and I were all befuddled and hung over in the lobby, a whole troop issued out again. I think the oldest... Was she was adorable. She was she was wearing reindeer ears, and they were all in fresh clothes, fresh everything, blah blah. And I I remember this scene where it's just crimes and I these two, uh, you know, derelict bachelors trying to cope with a hangover, and we're at either side of the hallway, and the entire family, every husband and wife, are running between us, giving us fist bumps, and. The kids so loved cockroach poker. I said, you know, if you're going to Denver, which they were, I said, go into the wizard's chest. And and first of all, I apologize to the four dads because you probably all got asked to buy 70 games that day. But here's the wonderful thing that I love thinking about, which is what if just by virtue of seeing all the cellophane, all the shrink wrap, all the different themes on all those shelves that those six beautiful kids have maybe become board gamers for life. In either case, that was my Christmas miracle, was when the perfect game group came to me. We are going to be back in a moment talking about a Lord Finesse track. I am your host and friend, the great unclean one.
So first of all, I want to thank my Twitter homie, at DJServe1. I've always loved Lord Finesse, but I had never heard the remix and the aggressiveness of uh, the Party Over Here remix like I had with Finesse. Now, if any of my friends who are heads, you already know where I'm at, but for our, our young kids, there used to be a crew, a loose association of rappers and producers, and in, in their age, they were second only to maybe Boot Camp Click, click. and they were called the Diggin' in the Crates crew, D-I-T-C. Now, in my mind, uh, AG and Showbiz were the beating heart and soul of the crew, but the crew at times also included Joey Crack, a.k.a. Uh, Fat Joe the Gangster, Big L, rest in peace, and the guy we're going to talk about today, Lord Finesse. If you want meat and potatoes, early 90s battle rap over tight beats with a guy whose attitude and proje- projection is just like a natural sneer, Finesse is your man. But first of all, I just want to give a few seconds to how, I don't know who remixed this, it's a furious breakbeat with a really nice jay, uh, jays. <laughs> That's nice. Jazz bass sample. Tell me if you think I'm wrong. Yes, never as famous as, as his contempor- contemporaries, but every bit as skilled. I sort of think of him as the spiritual forebear of Sean Price, a neighborhood dude who just had mad skills and confidence and didn't owe anything to anybody. Um, check out some of his rhyming craft here. When it comes to rhyme, I got all flavors. I get funk in a bunch of musky ball players. That's the reason why I always rack shows. Been rhyming since the days of bell bombs and afros. So welcome all contenders. Your boys that get played like overlap with suspenders. So sit back and just bust this. Or sing along with Hammer, cause you know you can't touch this. Y'all be kicking raps, talking about this and that. Say I can't get with that chicken scratch picture that. I always manage to slam and damage crews. I got more flavor than Spanish food. On top of the spot when I rock, that's why things get too hot. I got more hits than a jukebox. Was nice in the days, but I'm still ill. MCs better chill and watch a brother with real skills. Can't meet this defeat, this will beat this. Worth the miss, I leave them corny brother speechless. So don't stare, make some noise and cheer. Throw your hands in the air. Uh, another thing that uh, <laughs> Lord Finesse was a great punchline rapper and one of the things that they did on his albums was when there was n- no punchline he would have a bunch of his crew come on the studio and ask him to set up and he'd deliver it like this What's up, Finesse? Just cool and black I don't worry about others because the brothers ain't doing jack I'm launching in a gym that's packed to the rim Give me the cash, the props, the fame, and I'm in Well, the lounge and I'm maxing Chilling or relaxing It won't hurt to check me out on live action Step in, watch my smooth spin For ladies and men I love that I'm not worried about those brothers Because those brothers ain't doing jack So who's the best is? Lord Finesse is Now and forever Um come back in just a minute for the outro where I'm going to scroll through poetryfoundation.org's recently published poems and try to read one cold. Wish me luck. 
All right, here we go. I'm getting settled here. I think I promised you a poem, and we are going to deliver it. I've, I'm, uh, this is the great unclean one, by the way, Colonel Hector Bravado. Uh, no, wait, no, 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 no. My name tonight is the great unclean one. And uh, I went on to Poetry Foundation, and I tried to quick read the first poem I saw that looked good, and it was by Leila Benitez James, and it's called Stop and Look Alicante. Here we go. Uh, oh, pardon me. Why is there under the sea always an other sea? Whoa, 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 whoa. Time, time out, time out. This is the great unclean one who, having reviewed this segment in a less inebriated state of mind, decided to come back and try and read it again. I guess it's fine to belch and slur your way through one of Bukowski's racetrack poems, but... You know, I'm, I'm listening to my reading of this and cannot escape the feeling that it deserved a little better than I gave it. So I read it again, and I'm going to come back and try to do it sober. It's called, I think I already said this, Stop and Look Alicante by Leila Benitez James. Why is there, under this sea, always another sea? Scrolling through miles of leopard print bikinis, I wonder, could I go all out? Just imagine where my cleavage should peak. Would peak from under, do I go for cider classic? Which stretch marks will I sun, running like shoals of mica palmed by waves? Will I add a shell accent? Some saddie on the web says, A hungry moon snail made the mark, says, Moon snails release an acid to soften the shell. Then drill a borehole, a toothed tongue, and feed off the meat of the quote-unquote victim. What if I lost these breaths altogether? I'm hunting. Another saddie says, those holes were made by a boring sponge, drilling holes into shells for their calcium. The leopard walks on water. Their claws just prick the surface without going under. You're a heavy cat and I wish I had your muscle. Just imagine. I could love it. There we go. I I haven't reviewed it, but I already feel better about myself. So, um, cool poem, and that's the end of the show. This is The Great Unclean One. Now I start in with the fuck-ups and flubs. This is The Great Unclean One of Breakup Gaming Society saying thank you for indulging me, and may you fight long and well.